Yes, it is I, your humble host, Bill Head, the third, coming to you live from the Palatial Home Studios of Bald Spots Productions here in the beautiful city of Santa Ana, California. Joining me, as per the usual, in studio is my friend, my brother in Christ, the disembodied voice of Rudy. How you doing, Rudy? Hi, everybody. I love you all. Waka, 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 waka with the Lord. And joining us from a more than acceptable safe social distance through the miracle of telephony is my father, Chaplain Bill Hatch. How you doing, Pop? Doing very well. Good evening, my fellow Bible inquisitors. I trust you are all doing very well on this Saturday evening. I hope so. Was uh, flipping through uh, YouTube the other day and uh, noticed that one of uh, one of our broadcasts has had sixty-one views. Really? Yes. That's yes, sort of cool. Since I made uh, Rudy subscribe to uh, to the YouTube channel, um, it's uh, it pops up every now and again, and uh, it, uh, a, a vi one of the videos will pop up and uh, and it says down at the bottom of it how many views, uh, how many times people have viewed it. And one of them said 61. You don't know which date, though, do you? Not right off the top of my head, no. I think it was a couple well, of Well, I'm glad. Ago. I don't want you keeping things up on top of your head. Just between the ears. Just between the ears? Okay. Yeah. I, I shall try to do so. <laughs> Hope you don't mind the little bit of fun in here, folks. But eh, we got to have a little bit of fun. Yes, we do. Because we can have fun in the Lord every day. That's right. Nobody said it has in to fact, be. We even have boring. one verse that proves that tonight. Yes, in fact, so I, we I will believe we did. Absolutely. But before we get to that, I think we got some time for some Rudy news. Coming you from the house of Scooby and Princess Cordo. Hi, my uh, my. What is it? I have. A, this is a minute. No, this is the news. The news, Rudy news. My news is. People are trying to find peace in life, but they're looking for that guy with the six hands or the lady with the 12 hands, and people are looking, instead of looking towards God, and I, I don't understand how we look for other things. That's like looking at the golden calf. Who has 12 arms or six arms? But what it is is a lot of people that are pretty much famous that are staring people away because... There's a movie star that I, I everybody likes. He's real kind, but he's not a Christian. He's a, you know, he believes in that Buddhist stuff. And you know what? How hard is it to believe in God? Find your love in God. Find your your uh, uh, relaxation in God and Jesus. And a lot of people don't do that. They want to look at all this and that. Or somebody brings their own theology from another religion and say the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the and the Son are not one. And I tell the person, because I love the person very dearly, and I feel so scared that I want her to make sure. And I say, you got to look. And I tell the person, look it up, because maybe I don't understand it, because I want the person. On, well, it's my sister. I love her very much. And what it is, is I tell her, look it up and teach me. But I'm, I know it's the truth, but I just want to make sure that she can find it, instead of going through her own uh, anthology about whatever. And I say, and I said, you can't rely on human thoughts because God is greater than we can ever think. God could be anything he wants. God can do anything he wants. If he wants to split himself in 10 different ways, he can do it. And what it is, is we got to stop questioning God. If God says, I did this, he did it. If God said, if you don't follow me, you're going to help. It's going to happen. So please, I say with all my heart and soul, please, don't make me punch Jesus in you. I'm kidding. That's what I told my friend one time because the kid did not believe in God. I said, well, I'll punch Jesus in him. And we started laughing. But uh, please, but it, this is serious stuff. And even if you think your religion's right, look at the Bible. Go by the Bible. Don't go by these written pamphlets that people give you because that's a written plan. People are giving you their thoughts. They're not giving you the, the right God. And you know, I was joking about punching Jesus, so please don't take offense to that. I thought it was funny when we I told the mom, and she laughed too, but uh, I, but I wish that we could surely make somebody love God and believe in God and love Him, but people go no their way, and that's that's a terrible thing. I feel sad for that. I love you all. Waka, waka, waka with the Lord. 
amen, walk with the Lord always. And definitely stand your ground in your Christian faith. Mm -hmm. Do be careful, though. You don't want to tell or to offer to let someone teach or convince you otherwise, because then they think that maybe you're not as strong in your faith Mm -hmm. as you really are. Uh, We don't want people to waste time trying to prove wrong things to us. We want to be stronger in the Lord without a doubt, because indeed he is the way, the life, and the truth. And that's the way to get to God in heaven is through Jesus. So there. Okay. So, Bill, you want to start us off this evening? Let's start off this evening. We have uh, on our trek through Dr. John Barnett's 52 Greatest Chapters of the Bible, we are on 1 Corinthians 3, which he labels, let's see, I think he labeled it rewards. Let me double check that. Corinthians 3, rewards, which I think is really rather a minor part of this chapter. If, uh, if you ask I see. Me. Uh- <laughs> mm-hmm. study bible and then the new american standard and neither one of them say that about chapter three yep and maybe you have another one or two that you can pull up quickly Bill, well, but i've got because you're right it's the yeah the the talk about rewards is i mean it's Kind of important, I mean, uh, but uh, uh, but it's not a major part of the, uh, let's see here, one, two, three, um, yeah, the Amplified uh, set call, titles uh, the first section here, Foundations for Living. Yes, that is the way the new American standard has it listed. Mm-hmm. Uh, foundations for living in my christian study bible it's a little more accurate it says the problem of immortality now immorality. immaturity oh, immaturity i know i goofed up immaturity okay. <laughs> i'm gonna use it tonight folks it's my my magnifying glass till i get a better one problem of immaturity well the english standard refers to divisions in the church yeah. Which kind of is an important part of this chapter. <clears throat> More important in chapter one than in three, I think. But yes, because it does have to do with immaturity uh, and divisions mm-hmm. of that immaturity. I found some interesting things when I was doing background research. Uh, we actually, because of some nice things in later history, meaning in 1905, we actually can place a lot of Paul's original missionary work in Corinth, which gives us a timeline that we don't normally have, Uh, but it literally zeroes down on it. So this is what I I found. The pro-council term of Galileo, Mm -hmm. to which Luke refers to, in Acts 18, may be dated with the help of an inscription uh, discovered at Delphi in 1905. Uh, It gives the French archeologist name, don't need that. But it says that Galileo uh, was pro-council in AD 51-52. Since Luke's account also makes reference to uh, the ministry for a year and a half in Acts 18 again. Uh, it would appear probable that Paul's initial mission to Corinth began somewhere early in AD 50 mm-hmm. and lasted until the latter half of AD 51. And this is like, wow, this actually gives us some years that we can date yeah. with, a, with a known understanding that we have to take into account those four missing years of of Roman emperors' uh, timelines 
that we're told about several times. One of the emperors of Rome uh, ruled for three years under one name, and then he changed his name. And another one, I think it's just a missing year that they, they managed not to uh, get recorded when they made up the calendars several hundred years in their future. Sure. But I really like to appreciate the fact that there's some earthly, not earthly, but non-biblical support of the scriptures and gives us some timelines that are there. Uh, so I had that, and I thought you might enjoy that yeah. part. Some further uh, information about Corinth. Corinth is a port city in Greece. And it was a very important trade route for the Greek Empire. But in about 400, four centuries before uh, Jesus' time, well, Rome attacked it and nope. overthrew the Greeks missing, and destroyed the city of you're, Corinth. You're messing up your timeline. Uh, the uh, really? yeah, the destruction of uh, of Corinth by the Romans was in 146 BC. You're absolutely right. I've switched my numbers. 146 BC is is the typed in address for that. Uh, but it, they completely destroyed mm -hmm. the city of Corinth, and it wasn't until about 44 BC. Yep. That's what I got. Uh, yeah, and that's dated because they have excavated Roman coins with the years on them, or actually they didn't put years on them then. That's silly the way they wrote this now that I'm saying it out loud. But the inscriptions on the Roman coins can be dated around 44 BC. Uh, usually they would you know, change the uh, features on the coins to whichever Roman emperor was in charge at that point. I don't know that they used any other references in themselves for their coins. But yeah, in 44 BC, and it started becoming a big port city once again. You have to look at a map to see that Greece has two main parts. Yeah. It has a harbor on each side, and Corinth is in the isthmus that is between those two ports, making it virtually you know, a fantastic place to provide shipping each directions to allow it to go the other way. It's kind of um, so, cool. The uh, ship captains um, trying to get uh, from one side of the Sismus to another would actually pull into one side, put their ship up onto skiffs, and drag their ship across the isthmus to the other uh, to the other port and continue the sail yes sail. it's amazing the ingenuity of mankind but corinth is one of those cities what i also found was well, that i hadn't really thought about before and that is the fact that corinth is a new city and therefore their wealth rise in wealth and affluence could really be compared today to uh oh great there i go northern california okay. our electronic age computer age what's the main city oh uh like san jose or silicon valley or silicon valley okay, thank not you. a city but uh, yeah okay uh the idea is that their wealth grew up as quickly as it did in silicon valley and it's new money. Uh, the producer and I, meaning your mom, were watching uh Disney movie, The Happiest Millionaire, last night mm -hmm. by chance. And there is a little cute passage in the movie about two high society ladies talking about old money and new money and who has it and who doesn't. Well... <laughs> Lo and behold, uh, that really is a good comparison when you look at Corinth and Silicon Valley. Money rose up very quickly. They're very new in everything that they're doing. But I also found out that slaves outnumbered people, um, free people, two to one in Corinth. Wow. 
Yeah, in the entire region. So, uh, two, one was just a staggering thing. What else did I find? Uh, most Corinthian Christians were not of the wealthy group. That's referenced in chapter 126. And many were slaves. That's referenced in chapter 7. So, you know, those are some of the backgrounds that we have to see. I, I did find uh, some, uh, some stuff, um, if I, if I could add uh, to it. Um, the, the, uh, the two sections uh, of Greece that, it, that the Isthmus of, Isthmus of Corinth connects is the Peloponnese and the Greek mainland. It sits about halfway between Athens and Sparta. The, uh, the modern city of Corinth is about three miles away from the ruins of the ancient city. Um, let's see. Uh, during the Roman era, it was a major center for the imperial cult and emperor worship. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, uh, Corinth hosted the Isthmian Games, which was second only to the Olympics in ancient times. Yes, I saw that and too. It was such an immoral place, <laughs> filled with drunken debauchery, it became synonymous with moral depravity. And uh, to Corinthianize was to participate in uh, these kinds of activities. It, it was a bad place. Um, let's see. Paul's first visit to Corinth was during his third missionary Was it the third missionary journey? No, 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 no. Uh, well, it was during, in about 49 or 50 A.D., late 49, early 50, like you, uh, you said about there. Um, let's see, that's where he met Priscilla and Aquila, and uh, they worked there as tent makers. Uh, Gallio, yeah. the, uh, the proconsul of Achaia, uh, which is southern Greece, was also the brother of Seneca, the, uh, the famous writer, um, which I, I thought was interesting. Uh, let's see, and of course, uh, um, Paul was uh, judged by Gallio uh, for um, for violating the Roman laws regarding religious tolerance, which coincidentally was brought against. Those charges were brought against him by a man by the name of Sosthenes, who was the leader of the Corinthian synagogue. And quite possibly Paul's secretary for First Corinthians, because if you look back at the beginning, uh, at uh, at chapter one, verse one, it is Paul and Sosthenes. So, uh, so they start out. Uh, they start out. I guess you could say enemies. Uh, they get beaten together at, by the Romans, and uh, and uh, end up uh, end up being uh, co-workers in Christ. So, yep. uh, which uh, which I found quite interesting. Um, highly highly probable he was a con became a convert through Paul's work. Um, it, highly it, possible, it, but we don't have it for sure. It's also uh, likely that uh, what we have because of what's things that are mentioned in First and Second Corinthians that what we are actually looking at is letter two of four. So it's not really 1 Corinthians, it's 2 Corinthians. It's just that we've lost 1 and 3 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians is often referred to as the lost letter, and uh, and 3 Corinthians is often referred to as the severe letter. Because uh, Paul, I guess, got a little uh, a little upset with the Corinthians for continuing on in their uh, in their sinful ways. In, yeah, in the topic that we're covering tonight. We're covering tonight. Uh, right. Let's see. Um, Clement of Rome acknowledged Pauline authorship of the book in 95 AD, and that was supported by other people uh, at later times. Um, let's see. The premier uh, temple at the Acropolis of Corinth uh, was to Aphrodite. And uh, there'd be a thousand priestesses who would prostitute themselves nightly in the city, going down from the Acropolis into the city proper. Mm, yeah, and they also believe that many of the slaves, female slaves, were forced into such Correct. prostitution. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, it was uh, Paul founded the Corinthian church during his second missionary journey. Sorry, not the third, the second. I thought that was right. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, 
the Corinthian church formed several cliques, um, that, which had little to do with each other, which uh, I kind of was thinking about it. It's kind of a precursor to many of today's denominations, um, the way they act toward, uh, toward each other. Yeah, uh, I have that in my notes for tonight. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, the Corinthian church reflected the immorality of the city and could not separate itself from sin. This was a major purpose of Paul's letter. Yeah. They weren't maturing the way he wanted, as we'll see here for this. Right. I find an interesting comparison in that I would like to discuss with the very first verse of chapter okay. three. Again, I'm working from the Christian study Bible on this one, and I would like you to perhaps do the Amplified. But first one for mine, because it's short. I know the Amplified will go on further. Yeah. Uh, it says, it translated, for my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people but as people of the flesh, as babes in Christ. I think this is a good example of the uh, Christian study Bible's reference of trying to take the genderness out sure. uh, instead of just saying men. But I really find it interesting the way Paul seems to be saying at the beginning of this verse, for my part. Mm -hmm. uh, it's almost like a, a, a statement of him blowing it or him feeling like it was his his uh inability to get them further along mm -hmm. with what he had been teaching them so what do you have for verse well, first three? off i have to concur with you uh, to some extent um i think that paul purposefully in this in parts of this chapter does things to denigrate himself to to portray himself very humbly in, uh, in yes. front of the Corinthians, purposefully. Um, I, I don't think it's an accident at all. Um, because, uh, and we'll see later on that this is uh, this is part of the message. Um, that. Uh, oh yeah, in yeah. verse 15, we'll get oh, yeah. really into yeah. it. Um, but anyway, I have, however, brothers and sisters, I could not talk to you as spiritual people but only as to worldly people, with the note for the literal translation of fleshly, dominated by human nature, mere infants in the new life in Christ. Not that much longer. Right. Um, I do have a note from the uh, from the pulpit uh, commentary that that uh, word uh, that's translated as either worldly or fleshly is uh, from the mm -hmm. Greek sarkinos which means earthliness and weakness, an absence of spirituality. And so I thought it was uh, to, to clarify, it's not just being worldly, it's also being against, you know, a lack of the spirituality. So it's not just on the, on the one side. Okay. Which for some reason, when I was writing uh, my notes, I thought, Sounded really interesting. <laughs> yeah, people, people of the flesh, as uh, this one references, uh, if really the population of Corinth is two to one mm -hmm. slaves, we've got several slaves in this situation. If some of those slaves were females who were being prostituted by others, uh, again, that shows a real connection with being of the flesh because uh, that had to be their focus whether they wanted it or not uh, are there and that's important for us as believers to see that kind of reference if what I said earlier was correct and I do say if that the majority of Christians were probably not wealthy it makes me want to better consider the whole divisions that were taking place in the Corinthian church, Christian church, that is. Because if it's the wealthy who are, uh, and there are not many of them there, could we really have had three different groups, four different groups, sorry, 
of Christians in Corinth as are listed back in chapter one, we might want to look and say, wait a minute. We have Paul and Apollos and Cephas, which is Peter. And then a group that says, oh, we only follow Jesus. I mean, referencing and studying for tonight, it's like, I'll bet you that the we only follow the teachings of Jesus is going to be part of that new uh, aristocracy that's in Corinth. Because there wouldn't be enough uh, wealthy people to start supporting uh, the Corinthian issue of uh, hiring orators to speak their beliefs and following Paul or Apollos mm -hmm. or even Cephas. Uh, they'll just be you know, like, again, thinking of that movie last night. So it's just a funny part of that movie, and it's two old biddies doing it. And I can just envision that happening with the new wealth upper crust of Corinth, whereas the slaves and the lower income Christians uh, would align themselves with Cephas, Apollos, who was a great orator, and Paul, who is always claiming that he wasn't a great right. orator. Which actually got him in trouble at, some, at different points because uh, of his weakness of speech, as it, uh, yes. as it was put, where he was not speaking eloquently because he wanted to put the emphasis on the message as opposed yep. to people being moved and swayed by his own, uh, by his own speaking abilities. Um, but yes. uh, I might actually uh, uh, disagree a little bit as a possibility that, uh, that the wealthy, because of their education, might have actually been more likely to, uh, to follow Apollos because of his uh, ability to orate. And uh, and his wisdom. That is there's, highly there's possible. There's actually a note I have later on that um, that we'll get to uh, near the end of the uh, end of the chapter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, there's. I'm glad you're doing it because we want to be able to help mm -hmm. people, you great listeners, and hopefully you are growing and participating in your own. But down in uh, the second half of verse three. It says, for since there is envy and strife among you still, is why he's working to teaching them lightly and not in deep, meaty topics. They could never talk about this kind of topic like we are tonight. Yeah. Uh, and they certainly would get lost on Tuesday nights with our great study in Psalms. They would only be able to hear the points, not necessarily take it apart. Um, uh, and being able to say, oh, wow, look at these differences and how they're done. They'd only be able to say, well, let's just get on with the scripture yeah. itself. I wanted to make a comment about uh, about verse two before we get too much farther away from further away from it. Um, OK. In that I fed you with milk. Um, the author of Hebrews and also Peter Cephas in his uh, in one of his books also refers to uh, to spiritual milk. And, uh, and uh, new Christians or weak Christians only being able to receive that spiritual milk and not solid food because they're just not ready for it and basically calling them babes. Um, but the, uh, the pulpit commentary made a, made a comment that young pupils of rabbis were called sucklings and little ones. Which hmm. reminded me of when Jesus said, uh, uh, whoever uh, misleads one of these little ones gives a little, uh, little greater understanding of, uh, um, of, uh, of what Jesus may have been speaking about in, uh, in sure. that instance. Um, that uh, not necessarily meaning children, who of course... But as disciples. But as young disciples, right. Perhaps depending on who he was relating to at the time. Yeah. In, in Matthew 18, he had definitely just been working with the children True. when the disciples tried to back him off. Of um, course. 
so that one would be there. So much of what and Jesus overall, says, the whole thing is that everybody there knew what milk was used yes. for. Uh, and that's important for us to look at, Absolutely. Too, or to consider as we're doing it. And they had caused, gotten these divisions going, and do you have any boxes now on three, four, five? Uh, let's see. I've got a couple notes on five. Actually, it's three and four. Oh, not okay. Five. I don't have anything on three or four. Okay. <laughs> uh, I will let you do your box on five because I want to just go to, um, I've only underlined parts of six. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Ellicott want, uh, made a point that uh, uh, the answer to the question of who is then Paul and who is Apollos is that they are merely those whom Christ used. Uh, it is therefore absurd that you should exalt them into heads of parties. Um, they are merely instruments, uh, each used as the great master thought best. And then the uh, the pulpit uh, commentary made uh, made a note that the better reading is not who but what. And by using this neuter uh, neutered pronoun, um, it would imply a still greater self-deprecation of human ministers. They're not even enough to be called who's, but what's, because they are merely <laughs> tools of Christ, of the of the Lord. And uh, I thought that was uh, I thought that was interesting. I also think it is interesting because uh, that's a fun sermon for me to work on, but it's favorites. Mm -hmm. And that's something for all of our listeners to consider too. It is all right to have favorites in life, in books of the Bible and characters mm -hmm. of the Bible. Uh, it's just that we do not want to focus on the characters right. or the favorites to where it takes away from Christ, who should be our absolute <laughs> top favorite, but uh, but all in presentation. Um, let's see. Can I give any good modern day examples of during World War II? Hitler was one of the greatest orators of the age. Unfortunately, right. Stalin was not so much of a great orator, but he was so diabolical that he would kill off anybody who argued with him. Uh, Hitler, Stalin. Then there was absolutely for sure. Uh, Winston Churchill was the great orator for England. And then Franklin Roosevelt for here in the United States, just a few of them. Uh, but to be able to say, you know, you've got to look at what's going on. Paul and Apollos were both preaching Christ, praise the Lord. Uh, actually, when Paul, Apollos first got there, he was only preaching uh, Moses, and that was it, because he hadn't been taught and about the Baptist. He hadn't learned of Jesus. Uh, but he could do it so eloquently, people were listening mm -hmm. to him, and they were listening this way and that way. But Apollos didn't stay there. He moved on. Paul stayed there for a year and a half the first time, which was much longer than any of the other stays in his first missionary journey. Uh, and I'm sure Peter passed through, but I don't know for how long he might have been there. But we see the point of, well, this is my favorite because he talked better or because he set examples for me, such as Paul did, much more so or, than the or others. Some of the Jews from Corinth may have been at Pentecost and heard Peter's eloquent speech in their language, which would have been Absolutely. quite impressive. Yep. Now, there's nothing with favorites, like I say. So away from the message of Christ, that's a that's a goof. And uh, let's see. Ta -ta -ta -ta. 
I'm reading from the Christian Study Bible. Mm -hmm. Paul has heard of divisions uh, based on the personalities and speaking capacities of leaders like himself and Paulos. Corinthian church in which the wealthy person would provide material support for the best orators and would gain prestige through their relationship. I don't know, uh, you know how many parties of the Corinthians really could do that, but that's what this one explains. Uh, and of course, once you say, I'm supporting this orator to speak the way I want him to, my order's better than your order. My order's better. <laughs> the book doesn't say it that way. Uh, but addressing the situation, Paul denies his preaching mm -hmm. as meaning nothing because he doesn't want his preaching ability to go forward. He wants the subject of the preaching to go forward, and that's Jesus. Um. Let's see, it says, do in our current age, we still have these kinds of divisions. There are hundreds of divisions within the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. In the Protestant side of the house, we're just as bad. We have divisions all over the place. Uh, the World Almanac, Almanac has 30 different varieties of Baptist. And I believe truthfully that we just keep doing this over and over again to where we're, instead of being a unified body of Christ, we are so many, 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 many little bodies of Christ. Yeah. They, there's still hope, and it's in this chapter. So I don't want to mess our timeline up. Okay. But, uh, but it's true that Christian church has not grown from this. We are still immature in many ways, such as taking our favorites to extremes. And because we do that, others who are not Christians are able to get into the mix as if they were Christians when they really aren't. And we have to be aware of that so that we try to get away from those. Bill, do you have any boxes? Uh, Four, five, and six. Nope. Okay. Although Sorry, my I'm one for, although my note for seven kind of kind of bleeds over from six. By all means, please share that. <laughs> um, basically, what uh, what we've got here is uh, opportunity that uh, um, Paul, of course, was well trained in uh, in the Old Testament, and yes. uh, and in these verses six and seven, you can definitely uh, see that. Um, Psalm 90, verse 17, and let the gracious favor of the Lord our God be on us. Confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. And then Isaiah 26, 12, Lord, you will establish peace for us since you have also performed for us all that we have done. Okay. There is, there is no importance in who does the work. Um, really, the the worker will be taken care of, but uh, uh, but the real work is done by the Lord. Yes, God is the one who provides the growth. Mm -hmm. But again, Paul is using examples just like Jesus did, yeah. things that the people of the day could absolutely understand. Mm -hmm. Because even if they weren't farmers anymore, you bet somebody's wife was out there planting the flower in a flower box. And you got to plant the seed. You have to water the seed, and then it grows from there. And, yeah, at the end of verse 8 is that each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now, that's a nice straight statement, but it's not detailed enough for Paul when we get down to verse 15. Okay. I tell you what, verse 15 really is an important verse well, uh, in tonight's chapter. And yes, by the way, it is a good, important chapter for us because there are so many likenesses 
for people today with the Corinthian church. No, I don't mean all the adultery and, and uh, promiscuity that was going on down at the harbor. <laughs> but, oh, uh, before we get there. to 15, um, I did have some stuff in, uh, in 12 that I didn't want to skip over. Uh, okay, well, yeah. I, I wasn't jumping to 15 11, yet either, but good. Hmm? Said I wasn't jumping to 15 oh, okay. yet either, so oh, good. Okay. I'm so glad if you you're. Wanna, if you want to keep going with uh, with your. No, three. I'm ready for 12. You're ready let's for 12? It. Okay. I think so. Um, let's see. In uh, Ellicott's commentary, um, it explains that, uh, let's see, in verse 12, but if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each, and then in 13, each one's work will be clearly shown for what it is. Um, he makes the comment that uh, by precious stones, they don't mean gems, not rubies or, or diamonds. They're talking okay. about stone, about valuable stones like uh, like marble. Sure. And uh, the, the Corinthians would have known this because of all the wealth that was in the city. There would have been many buildings, including that temple on the uh, on the Acropolis made of marble. And uh, and other uh, other sturdy stones, as opposed to their own homes, which would have been built with wood and clay. Um, the uh, hay is uh, dried grass, which was used to fill up chinks in the walls. Stubble, which is also translated as straw, was referring to stalks with the ears cut off, used for thatching a roof. Um, these hmm. images would have made a lot of sense to the Corinthians because their city had been burned with the uh, stone buildings having survived and the wooden straw uh, buildings burned up in the fire. Made me think of uh, the Three Little Pigs. Yes. <laughs> and, and, the, and the gathering of the stubble of straw uh, for the slaves in Egypt yes. before Moses got them out. Absolutely. Yes, but they would have. But they would have been able to see buildings, probably or remains of buildings anyway, probably from the, uh, the from the conflagration of 146, um, when the Romans uh, destroyed it, where people rebuilt in 44, or uh, um, you know, and uh, and all of that. So they would have known from their own uh, city's history just what uh, just what that kind of reference means. And Paul is definitely focusing with verse 11 about foundation. Mm -hmm. The true foundation is Jesus Christ yes. alone. In 11? And, yes. and the quality of material that is built on that foundation mm -hmm. is very important. Absolutely. And some people are going to have a much stronger part than other people. Some people are going to not be in the right situation with what they're building on the foundation. That reminds me of so many TV ministries nowadays. But the foundation has to be Jesus. And Paul's focused on that. Absolutely. So definitely. Um, yeah, um, now I've got a reference back to Isaiah 28, 16. So if anybody wants to go back and read Isaiah 28. Um, certainly, you'll see uh, you'll see about uh, foundations and how important it is to have the right foundation, and uh, and that it's uh, and that God set this had been setting this up for hundreds of thousands of years, hundreds of years from Isaiah. But uh, um, but yeah. And when we build on properly is good when we build improperly it's bad the foundation is jesus and everyone will be how did it say at the end of 13 beginning each one's work will become obvious uh, that's what we all wish for our sorry okay i know you can't hear it it just bothers me to I have it flipped down on, on my I heard the buzz that time. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Paul is saying it's building on the foundation mm -hmm. of Christ. Everyone will be judged by their building, working on uh, the foundation. I really do like what you read to us, Bill, about the quality of that foundation. Yeah. 
the quality is not for us to judge. Right. You know, my translation, gold and silver, and then wood and you know, straw, stubble. That's not the point. It's the quality that we're doing for the Lord to our capacity. It's what are we able to do for the Lord that matters. And it gets put up there. Yeah. What we might consider, oh, I don't do anything for the Lord. Well, yeah, I've taken kids in the neighborhood to Sunday school and vacation Bible school, and I've helped with meals uh, for shut-ins, etc. Those are really high-quality things mm -hmm. when it comes to doing it for the Lord. And we should never let somebody discount their own efforts. They need to be seen that, guess what? That's gold. Mm -hmm. and, and happily, we have. <laughs> you know, and talking. It's keep telling me about the show, and I thought I got them off again this week, and I didn't. No. I want. I don't want to miss this, because look at verse fifteen with me. Because okay. is it all right if I go to fifteen? Uh, well, I was gonna expound on what you were just saying uh, in verse thirteen. Uh, okay. Uh, Malachi three two uh, says, "But who can in uh, who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears?" For he is like a refiner's fire and the launderer's soap, which removes impurities and uncleanness. The pulpit commentary says on this, all that is said here in, in verse 13 is that the fire of Christ's presence, the consuming fire of God's love, shall, shall test the work, not purge it. The fire is probatory, not purgatorial. And if and it is not in itself a fire of wrath, for it tests the gold and silver as well as the inferior elements of the structure. It is the fire of the refiner, not of the avenger. So when the fire comes, it's not a it's not a fire meant to destroy, but to purify, to test and uh, and refine. Um, so, uh, so do your work, do the best uh, that you can. God will only ask what you can do well. He's not going to ask. Uh, he's not going to ask you to do something you're incapable of doing. But you have to put in the effort for it. And when the fire of judgment comes, it's not going to be coming to put you down. It's going to be uh, coming to lift you up. So I, I thought that was uh, of good value. I like it. I have a little bit of a, a slight, maybe it's a generational change on it, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, each one, and from verse 14, 13, it says each one's work will become obvious. That's fine. Yes, it will be tested uh, um, and it will be revealed by fire, but in verse 15, yes. if anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. That's actually the end of 14, sorry. Oh, okay. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved. Mm -hmm. Folks, we don't have to be perfect in our working for God's kingdom. Right. That's what verse 15 says. And it's the point that we get to say, wow, that really is a relief. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not, we are saved by grace, yes. not by works. Right. But we want, we should want to do works mm -hmm. as a way of showing, if I may, our appreciation or our love of God and certainly the sacrifices that Jesus went through for us. That's you and me us and to know that hey if we're not perfect god's still gonna say well done good and faithful servant and i don't think he'll even say you could have done this better or that better i don't think he will uh it'll be the fact that we have been trying to do it for him and that's what verse 15 says to me especially this Absolutely. evening
Uh, how are we doing on time, Bill? Uh, we got about five minutes or so. Okay. May I continue? Sure. All right. Uh, verse 16. I have a wonderful Bible study on three sixteens throughout the Bible. And this is one of them. Because you and I are God's temple. The church we go to on Sunday morning or the church you go to on Sunday morning during the week, that's not the temple of God. The temple of God is inside of us. And to be able to accept that responsibility is difficult. Because it's like God is inside me all the time. That's embarrassing when you think about a husband and wife. There's a whole bunch of things people can think about of all from all walks of life that would be yep. embarrassing to think about that. It can be. Wait a minute. He's with me when I go into the restroom, too. Right. Oh, uh, you know, those are extreme examples, but it's true. And we should be always looking at ourselves. And to say, wow, it's not just that God is inside us, but we are the temple of God. And so it, I like that one for my 316 studies. Uh, but Paul is flat out saying, that's what you are. Right. So he was telling the Corinthians to get serious in their understanding and knowledge of God. So they can be better prepared to act as that temple to others. Now, I don't have to pass judgment on anyone. My father had tattoos. I do not. Frankly, I can't stand needles, so I'm never going to do that. But I don't want to decorate the temple with tattoos. My temple, for God, with tattoos. But you know what? Haven't done too well on the weight side. I've made his temple bigger than it should be. <laughs> you and me both. And being able to say those. Yeah, well, the, okay. <laughs> I wasn't trying to pass that just on you. No, no. But I passed it on to my son, I guess, is the way I should look at it. But to be able to say that, you know what? We are temples to the Lord. What are we doing with our temples? And so really do consider that. Okay, Bill, you have any boxes on the last several verses uh, of the chapter? I definitely have one note uh, that I wanted to uh, to get to um, in 18. Um, yes. Uh, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, discarding his worldly pretensions and acknowledging his lack of wisdom so that he may become truly wise. Um, the pulpit commentary uh, believe, seems to believe that Paul is referring especially to the Apollos party, who vaunted their esoteric knowledge and so were wise in their own eyes, prudent in their own conceits, which is a quote from Isaiah mm. 521. Um yeah, definitely uh, can see uh, can see that that maybe maybe Paul's putting in a little a uh, little bit of jab. Hey, you're not as smart as you think you are. Kind of uh, kind of a thing. Well, I, I I'll know. I'll agree with the second half of that. I'm not sure that it would really be the Apollos group of the four, mm -hmm. as I started off with. I think it might be the more uh, the group who are saying, "I'm not going to listen to any of the local preachers." Right. I'm going to list through the words of Jesus only. Jesus has been dead for 20 years. And uh, at this point, mm -hmm. and it's like, mm, if you're not willing to take things from people who literally have seen and talked with Jesus, yeah. you know, you're just really being bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so sure. I really don't know necessarily that it would have been towards the Apollos group for the reason of Apollos, mm -hmm. but for not listening to the people. And then I say that out loud and say, wait a minute, 
Peter or Cephas and Paul definitely communicated with Jesus, mm -hmm. and Cephas didn't. So, I'm sorry, Apollos didn't. Thank you. Uh, so now I can say it out loud and hear it, and maybe so. What is that silly thing doing to me? <laughs> But uh, yeah, as we uh, as we get to it, um, as we get, as we wind down, because we're uh, we're running out of time here, um, it's definitely a chapter worth reading. Would you say uh, one of the greatest? Uh, I would say it's in the upper half. In the upper half, <laughs> because it is indeed uh, preaching at the choir. Making us all look and saying, you know, are we really limiting God in our daily uh, worship? Are we letting are we limiting? Are we letting the divisions come in the way of the message? Yes. If that's a, definitely an important question to uh, to ask. That's always a question to ask. Are we letting blank get in the way of the message? Is a, is yeah. a question we should constantly be asking ourselves. Indeed, it is one we should ask regularly. But I do consider it a very important chapter. Indeed. It is important. Uh, yeah, uh, the only rewards mentioned was the, was the, was the works burning up. <laughs> so I don't think the title fits. <laughs> I agree. But, uh, um, but other than that, uh, yes, definitely a pretty darn good chapter. So uh, if you have come this far with us, uh, gentle inquisitors, perhaps you will come a little bit further and join us in this family we call Christianity. We do this not with sacrifices, because that's already been taken care of. We don't use magical spells or mystical ceremonies, because that's not how we roll. In fact, uh, all we need are a few simple words that uh, help to align our hearts and minds with that of the Lord's. Um, you know, those, uh, those words can uh, range from the extremely simple, uh, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, or can be extremely complex and flowery, if that's how you uh, want to do it. But uh, we do a version that, uh, that uh, I don't know, I kind of like it. I think it covers everything and, uh, and doesn't go too far. Um, but uh, um, we, uh, we all say it a little bit differently. And uh, personalizing it based on biblical principles and uh, and our lives as we are currently living them, as long as it is sincere and uh, and it's said with a contrite heart, the Lord will listen to you and accept your uh, your confession. And uh, amen to that. So uh, whether you've been a believer for a second or a century, though. You have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I know I have continually fallen short of the glory of God. We we hit that verse the other night, and uh, and uh, I really like the the addition the Amplified did with the continually. <laughs> mm. And uh, um, you know, so uh, so pray with us and uh, and get uh, get realigned with your uh, get your heart realigned with that of God's. So here we go. We'll say it together. Dear Lord. Dear Lord. Dear Lord. I am a sinner. I am a sinner. Cleanse me of my wickedness. Cleanse me of my wickedness. Teach me how to love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Teach me how to love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And show me how to love my neighbor as myself. And show me how to love my neighbor as myself. Guide my steps on the path you would have me take. Guide my steps on the path you would have me take. And help me to do the work you would have me do for your kingdom. And teach me to do the work you have for me in your kingdom. Come into my heart and be the Lord and Savior of my life. Remain in my heart and be my Lord and Savior. All these things we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And there we have it, another Saturday night, uh, Gone to the Dogs. No, no. Hey. <laughs> Sorry, the dogs are here listening to the uh, listening to the Bible study. Uh, 
No, hey, no. St. Francis of Assisi preached to the birds. You can preach to the dogs. There you go. We can. We can. But uh, we hope you were paying attention, too. And because uh, this was a pretty good uh, a pretty good study, I think, tonight. And uh, because uh, you said the sinner's prayer on a Saturday evening, well, that means you are really close to the next step, which is a Sunday morning church service. Go out into your community, find yourself a Bible-believing church, Bible-preaching church, and yes. uh, join your fellow believers in uh, worship and song and a little bit of learning from the preacher. And, uh, and then from there, find out what your next steps beyond that will be, because this isn't the end. This is the beginning. Your inquisition Amen. has started. So, uh, so get moving. Well, if you're an inquisitor, that means you have an inquisition. <laughs> the inquisition, what a show. Uh, no, let's not. <laughs> so anyway, uh, this is not the only program we have for you over the course of the week. In fact, we have a few. On Tuesday will be YWL Online's Totally Approachable Bible Study for All, where we will be continuing our journey through the through the Psalter, through the uh, Book of Psalms, we will be. Uh, let's see. Oh, I've forgotten where we left off. Uh -huh. I have it written I down. I have it written down too, but I don't have that in front of me. Let's see. Fifty-five. 55. Psalm fifty-five. Psalm fifty-five. So. So if you can plan for five Psalms, Nick, for Tuesday, please read them. Yes, indeed. And send your questions to yes. us. Send your questions. Let us know what you're thinking. And uh, and how you're uh, how you're doing in your walk? Um, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, we'd love to uh, hear your prayer requests. We wouldn't. Uh, I know I wouldn't mind uh, saying a prayer or two for somebody. And uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure I'm not uh, speaking out of turn if I say the others would uh, would feel the same. Um, All of us, yeah, indeed. And uh, so uh, please reach out to us on whatever platform you happen to be using. And uh, we will uh, get back to you just as quickly as we can. But uh, then on Thursday night, I'll be having another episode of Not Quite After Midnight. This time with G.C. Gary and George Bentley. George Bentley, yes. George is a uh, serial entrepreneur with, uh, with many interesting stories. And GC is an author who wrote a book called, uh, oh shoot, what's it called? Something, Meth, and Amazon. Um, I can't remember the full name of the book. <laughs> so you'll have to tune in to find out. <laughs> there you go. And uh, it should be an interesting conversation. We usually talk about all sorts of uh, wonderful things. Last Thursday's episode was interesting. Had a therapist and a coaching couple. And uh, we talked about uh, getting over uh, our issues and, uh, and reaching toward the future. And it was really just a very, uh, very full episode. Um, so uh, definitely turn back the clock and, uh, and watch that. Uh, it's available all over the place on all the platforms. And then uh, a week from tonight, we shall have another episode of YWL Online's Anything Can Happen Saturday, where we will be once again journeying through Dr. Barnett's 52 Greatest Chapters of the Bible. And this time it will be 1 Corinthians Chapter 7, Marriage Rules. Oh, no, wait. I, I think I emphasized that wrong. Marriage Rules. I don't know. Uh -huh. We'll find out. <laughs> Probably meaning rules for marriage. Probably. Not that marriage is awesome. All right. <laughs> I think you should stop digging that hole before you fall into it. Okay. Uh, so anyway, read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 for preparation for next week. Wow, we're all the way to uh, to week 39. So uh, we're uh, we're getting nearer and nearer the end of this uh, of this journey through these 52 chapters, which aren't really 52 chapters. No, anything but. <laughs> so, uh, so at any rate, uh, that brings us to the end of another episode. And I uh, um, hope you've uh, enjoyed it and gotten something out of it. If you have, please share. And uh, I'll ask you that again when we get to the end of the ending credits. 
But in the meantime, do you fine gentlemen have anything to say to the nice people? Yes, uh, there's a thing called to Topo. It's an animal rescue. And there's a lot of people that go to the beach and save seals from uh, nets around their neck. Even turtles that are filled in net, uh, nets. And there's people that are helping animals. Please, if you can, try to support them. Look them up. Any, any animal rescue. Because you know what? Animals are in the situation unknowingly there i feel sad for him and i don't want him to be sad and there's things that happen in human things in the world that make animals suffer so please look into those things for animals and please try, hopefully if you can help them and remember get your dog neutered and spayed what's that guy's name oh bob barker bob barker said thank you all i love you all waka waka with the lord <laughs> and drew carey has continued that phrase on at the end of every one episode uh, but God's blessing from Poplar Bluff, Missouri. And God's blessings and good night from Santa Ana, California. Be safe out there. Remember to wash your hands and stay tuned for the ending credits. Good night. God bless. Thank you all for tuning in. This, of course, has been a presentation of Bald Spot Productions. I'd like to thank uh, my producer, my beloved mother, Eileen Hatch. I, of course, am your humble host. I'd like to also thank my co-host, my father, Chaplain Bill Hatch, and my Ed McMahon, Rudy Forlou. Yes! <laughs> if you feel so led, support the show over on Patreon. We're at Bald Spots Pro. Um, there's also a link on uh, most of the platforms uh, for supporting the show. Don't miss Not Quite After Midnight on Thursday. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and all the major pla podcasting platforms. Please like, comment, share, follow, subscribe, whatever you got to do to uh, stay informed on the platform you use and uh, so that we can reach more people. Kick that algorithm into gear. At any rate, I hope you're having a wonderful one ever, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.